Everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we have Tiffany and Josh High with Heels Homes, and they flew in from Ohio to talk about how they got to 200000 a month by leveraging their KPIs to manage their business daily. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, founder of the Offer Fast Homes, the only MLS for off-market wholesale properties, and I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. Uh, one question I get a lot is how do I become one of the 100 millionaires? The information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. Take consistent action and you will become one. When you hear a nugget, please type in the comment section. After the show, identify your single biggest takeaway and focus only on that for the next seven days. If you get value today, please tag your friend below. Uh, share this episode right now and that way we can all grow together. And this is a live show. So please ask your questions for Tiffany and Josh to answer. So first question, uh, is what got you guys in the real estate? Um, so it all goes back to 2017. Um, I had taken a corporate leadership role. I had really moved up the ranks pretty quickly in corporate space. And I had been flying all over the country managing asphalt plants in the roofing division at Owens Corning. Um, and my little brother was 17 and got diagnosed with cancer. And he spent about a year in Nationwide Children's in Columbus. Um, and I still remember that, you know, the first six months he was there, I was still in corporate and I could only see him maybe once on Sundays. And I reflected watching my parents cause they are both entrepreneurs and they never left aside for the full year that they were there, that he was there. There was never a minute in any of those days. He wasn't, they weren't able to be there. And I remember thinking, there's no way I can be, I can do this as a parent someday doing what I'm doing. So I took a leap of faith and, uh, on good Friday of May of 2017, uh, I walked in and decided to leave my my job and just figure it out. Uh, I knew I loved real estate and construction and design. I really didn't know where I was going with it. I just knew I wanted to figure it out and I had to just take the step to get there. So left my job and I still remember sitting there with them saying, I might fail, so please take me back if I do. And um, I hope I don't. And I just left things on good terms with them and it's been history ever since. That was May of 17. Yeah. Not even that long ago. Yep. That's kind of crazy. All right. How about you? So it wasn't, I didn't leave my job right away. Um, I was in project management. I worked with Turner Construction. Um, so getting into re fixing and flipping, uh, rehabbing houses, uh, it was pretty clear where my role was going to fit within, you know, Tiffany going and, and getting into real estate. So um, I think it was March of 2018 was when I had made the decision to go ahead and and leave my job because at that time we had enough properties where it just made more sense for me to focus 100% of my time and energy on those properties. So um, it was it was March of 2018 where I, I decided to quit my job and take this on full time. Sorry, I'm trying to get this. That's kind of blocking Tiffany's view a little bit. Okay. Uh, so problem. when did you guys connect? That was... Well, we were dating when I started. Yeah. Okay, so you guys were already together yep. when yes. you guys took the leap together. So you yes. got yeah. to witness this whole thing with her brother right yep got it and his dad was actually experiencing the same thing so his dad had stage four cancer my brother had it and it was just one of those things where just so many life-changing things going on in our lives that we had to figure out how we can be with our families and control our time got and it. we were in roles at that time where we couldn't control it at all so um yeah it was a very emotional time and honestly sometimes when you're at your like lowest points is when you have no choice but to figure it out so we figured yeah. it out so you decided, all right, this is May 17. Again, like I want to emphasize, like not that long ago, like what was the first thing you guys did to, to take that leap into real estate? Yep. So um, we had joined a coaching program that my cousin introduced me to. He was a flipper at the time. And it actually took us six months to find our first deal. So just like I think a lot of people, we send out a marketing campaign, we get people to call us and we don't land a deal and we get really scared to spend money again. Mm -hmm. So I'm the you know epitome of not being consistent in the beginning. So I would send out a direct mail campaign. I would get caller or sellers to call me. And what the problem was, I didn't know how to close the deals. So it's one thing to get your phone ringing, right? And it's another to close, be able, be able to close every sellable deal or closable deal. And um, so the first six months, I remember it was in December of, 2017 November. Yeah. Yep. I just looked at him and I said, look, we have two weeks where I'm getting my job back. I'm calling Owens Corning and I'm going back to work because I can't keep doing this. Um, and he said, give me, give me two weeks. I know we can do this. And so we started working with a coach and I don't know if you want to tell me the background of that. 
Yeah, definitely. So at that point in time, you know, we were creating the leads. We just weren't converting them. And so we, we identified that, you know, if we were going to get our first deal, we had to learn how to talk to sellers. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it, it literally was 10 day training um, for the 10 days. I was literally writing down five sentences uh, to practice and I was reading them out loud and just getting used to saying that type of verbiage, you know, it was all new to me. I, I'm an engineer by background, so sales is totally different, right? It's um, very different. Very rarely do you hear engineer and sales in the same sentence. So. Yeah. Uh, but that just goes to show you that it's something that can be learned. Right. Um, so I practiced, you know, that 10 days. I ended up using three of the sentences I had practiced, uh, sitting with the seller in person and got the deal signed. They, you know, they were asking for 50000 for this property in particular, and we locked them up at 25000 50% of what they were originally asking for. So mm -hmm. um, that was, you know, immediately proof of concept. And I think the biggest takeaway that we had in, at that point in time was, like, you, you've got to trust the process. It doesn't happen overnight. I know before the show, we were talking about how it's, you know, our society is a microwave society. Mm -hmm. You got to control what you can't control. And trust the process. It's not going to happen overnight. Be consistent. Be disciplined. I'll bet the listeners are curious. What were those three lines? <laughs> I don't know if I remember them, but uh, so do you remember uh, them? Yeah, I do. So the situation was that these people lived in Kent, Ohio. They were driving down to Columbus on the weekends to spend their time fixing up this property so they could sell it. They just had gotten rid of some tenants. And I remember sitting there and I used, some, so NLP, Neuro Linguistics Programming, was exactly what we practiced. And um, there's adverb presuppositions, embedded commands, and tie downs were the three things that we were focusing on. And I remember sitting there and I was talking with the seller and I said, obviously you will feel good when you leave this, when you leave this meeting knowing that you don't have to worry about this property anymore and you can move on with your life, right? And that was one of the sentences. And she was like, yeah, okay. And then she had a rebuttal. I forget it, everything. But I know that was one specific sentence I used. <laughs> so the, I can even break that down for you. Using the, the obviously piece, that's an adverb mm -hmm. presupposition, mm -hmm. ultimate and assumption. Mm -hmm. uh, the embedded command was you will feel good or feel relieved. And then the tie down being right at mm -hmm. the end of it. So uh, just sentences like that, you know, it's consistently practicing and get and perfecting your craft that uh, really helped us get kickstarted and what I, as a sales leader today, 100% believe in um, with our team. You know, we practice sales tactics every single day. You mentioned, was it 10 days to learn? 10 days of practice that got Okay, practice. so practice. Because I, I mean, I looked at NLP and it seems like there's never like a, 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 a half day event or a day event. It's always like a nine day or yeah. like a 20 day thing. I don't know what it is. It's, it's it a lot to learn. so freaking long. We tried dumbing it down a little bit that our coach helped us practice say, here's three sentences use these words because as you continue to practice and say them enough you'll be able to fit it into other things you have to say but you gotta yeah. so we'd wake up i mean it was kind of funny we'd wake up we would literally repeat the words to each other we do lunch together we'd repeat the words together at dinner then we'd repractice the words yeah <laughs> and then they just became natural and then he started using them in our relationship a lot so that was pretty <laughs> yeah oh it's great <laughs> i mean that's a lot of the sales stuff that I, i've learned I, I also use in our marriage but problem is that now that my wife is familiar with it, it's not as effective yeah. as it once was. Now I know what he's doing. <laughs> so there's actually a key point I want to bring up right now, if you don't mind, Steve. No, please. Uh, a, a question that we get a lot is people are always asking, you know, what's that one list or there's got to be some gold in this marketing campaign or sequence or whatever it is. And we're big believers in that there's not like a golden list, mm -hmm. right? Every list is going to create leads opportunities. The key is, are you able to close those or convert those opportunities that you get? Right. Um, and it's perfecting your craft consistently practicing at, that we feel uh, makes you able to close every single closable deal that crosses your desk. Yeah, I think that's something that um, I push uh, more now than, than before, just because everyone's pulling the same list. Like you're looking yep. for a magic list, but everyone has every list. Right. Yeah. Right. So how do you separate yourself? So I think that's huge. Uh, and so did you find this then being a former engineer? Engineers doesn't apply to sales, but one thing I like to do as an engineer is kind of break down sales further and understanding at a higher level. Have you found that to be effective for you? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, everything that we do is a very black and white process and we are able to hold our team accountable because of that. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times in sales, it's like build rapport, but what exactly does that mean? Right. I mean, right. talk about the property. Well, what specifically are we talking about? Um, so we were able to break that down into a six-step process that's very, very clear, it's accountable, and it's teachable. So therefore, yeah. it's scalable. Got it. Very cool. Okay. So May, you, you start, and then you said 
about four months, five months in, you're kind of like, okay, this isn't going to work. Like you're going to go back, go back to your job. So you were, you were full-time at this time. You guys are mm-hmm. both full-time. Right. Okay. So what was that first deal? So that first deal that he landed, it, we talked about him practicing those sentences. Uh, we did a light renovation on it and we made like $18,000, I think. Between 17 18 And I, I'll never forget the feeling after we did that. We're like, yes, we can do this. We can do this. <laughs> and it just took like that first deal to really get your level of confidence. Mm-hmm. And at that time, we didn't know how to raise money yet. So um, we went into the next month. And I remember because it was leading into the year of 2018. And we're like, we, let's do one deal a quarter. Can you imagine that? <laughs> and then we got like four deals the next month and we're like, holy crap, this is crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, and we ended up, we only knew how to rehab in the beginning. We actually didn't know how to wholesale first. And most mm-hmm. people know how to wholesale first and then rehab. Um, and so we were like four or six rehabs deep with uh, that. He was helping me on the side of his job, project managing him. We were actually engaged at the time. And uh, I'll never forget coming home because he would come home from work. He'd go manage all our rehabs and then he wouldn't get home till late and then go to work at six in the morning. And it just it damaged our relationship as a marriage, too, because I, mm. I came in one day and I was like, here's the ring. man. this is like I'm done. Really? Yeah. And um, I went home and cried to my dad. Of course, I'm a little daddy's girl. And he was like, wait a second. Why hasn't Josh left his job? Like you guys closed one hundred thousand dollars in these first few deals. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, because I need health insurance. And he goes. So he used to be my basketball coach. He gets out his old basketball thing that he used to write plays on. And he goes, well, let's, let's spell this out. So, you know, in 30 days, you close six or six figures in rehabs. And how much is health insurance? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, if I get on, he goes, it's probably going to be 500 or $1,000. Let's assume $1,000. And so, you know, 12 months, you know, it's $12,000. And you made $32,000 on one of those rehabs. He's like, go back, put that ring on and let him quit his job. Yeah. And that's what I did. So I drove home. I said, give me that damn ring back. And you're you're quitting your job tomorrow. So he quit his job at 8 a.m. the next day. And it's been history really? ever since. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And I think that, I mean, awesome, right? With your dad. Um, <laughs> but it, it's it's really easy to kind of get lost. Like, why are we doing this? Yep. And I think a lot of us, and that's something that people ask me, you know, the getting into this business. We all get in this business for the same principles more time freedom, more money freedom, whatever, right? Do what you want when you want. And then we get in the business and we just stop thinking and we're completely reactive. And so like, it was right in front of you. The answer was right in front of you. Yeah. Right. But you're so tied into the business that you're not thinking because like, there's not enough hours in the day trying to get all this stuff done. And when you get home, you're exhausted and you know, fighting is a consequence yep. of that. So any advice then for the people that are listening, they're couples because there are a lot of couples that are trying to do this together. Any advice for yeah. them? Yeah, actually, I'll I'll jump into this one. So something that we did early on that was a game changer for us was we clearly defined our roles. So Tiffany is 100% in charge of our systems, marketing, and stuff like that on the back end of things. I'm in charge of our sales, our sales team, and our project management on the rehab side of things. So you know, people ask me marketing questions all the time. I have no idea. I ha- she has 100% control over that. And the only time I go to her is if she doesn't hit her one number that she's responsible for, right? The number oh, of leads per day. Per day or, yeah. So we're, when we come into a meeting, you know, he has his KPIs he needs to report off. I have mine. He needs to, ma- I need to make sure I'm producing enough for his team. And then when they lock up a deal and they get a contract for rehabs, he filters through in our, you know, our transactions and he just trusts that I'm going to raise all the money for it. He has no idea who I'm raising it for, how I'm raising it. He has no idea what I'm doing in the systems, how many VAs work with us. Um, but we stay off each other's um, side of the fence because the second you start stepping on each other's toes is when it creates chaos. Right. And early on, before we did that, we were stepping on each other's toes and the ball was getting dropped in different areas. For example, we'd be talking to a seller and I'd say, hey, did you follow up the seller? She'd say, no, I thought you were. <laughs> right. So I, that's the last thing that you want there should be no question around those types of roles. So um, the moment that we clearly divided those and stayed in our lane, it was a complete game changer for us. Yeah, I think that's it's such a powerful point because one of two things happens, right? Either you're stepping on each other's toes or because two people are responsible for it, no one's accountable for it right. yeah. and doesn't get done. So there's like no win. So, But I like this thing right here you just mentioned about she's got her one number, right? I think that's a huge thing. So your one number is number of leads. Yep. What's your one number? So my number is is deals, mm-hmm. but I have to also understand that there's a couple other metrics 
that influence the number of deals that we get. So right. we've got to be revenue on the sales side. Mm -hmm. But so uh, revenue, revenue is the is is the ultimate metric that you're responsible yep, for. For sure. So number of leads, you got to convert those leads into deals. So I guess one question that could come up or challenge is if you're responsible for the deals and you're responsible for the leads, but you're not doing a good job on your leads, hypothetically, we're not saying mm -hmm. this ever happened, right? Hypothetically, what happens then to Josh? Like, are you gonna like beat him up on it? Like, cause his number depends on your number. Oh yeah, I'm definitely gonna beat him up now. <laughs> um, no, I mean, so we have some more black and white KPIs that lead into those two major numbers um, that we're tracking on a daily, weekly, monthly, and quarterly basis. And as long as we're all, every morning, our team holds each other accountable for the KPIs we produced yesterday. Mm -hmm. So let's say everyone, I mean, it's not like we're going to produce the same amount of leads every day, right? They go up right. and down. So, but it, it, we catch things much sooner. So let's say hypothetically, one of my AMs has to make 12 offers this week in order to hit our goal. You know, if it's Wednesday and they've only made two, we know they're already off track. So we have to help get them back on track. It's the same thing with leads. We're looking at these so often that they don't really get that far behind, if that makes sense. It does make sense. Who's looking at it every day? So on the lead side of things, that's, that's her lane. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, as far as the acquisition side of things, we have daily huddles and we have three metrics that we track primarily. Um, first is our quality conversations. And when I say quality conversations, we call this a process. Um, how many people do we take through our entire script on call mm -hmm. number one? Um, and then of those people that we take through the whole script, how many of them are getting offers? So we have number of processes, number of offers, and number of deals. Those mm -hmm. are the metrics that we're tracking on the acquisition side of things. And we realize that in order to get to that end result with revenue and deals, you know, you've got to have quality conversations, which lead to offers, which then influence the deals. Yeah. So you mentioned daily huddles, which is another powerful thing. So you're running daily huddles or you're both running daily huddles? He does. We, well, I have daily huddle with the transactions and dispo every day at 9 a.m., mm -hmm. right? We kickstart the day with that. And then they have a power hour they do every day from 9 to 10. And then they have their huddle and daily sales training that he's responsible for and I lead the other one. So you have an hour meeting in the morning and then daily huddle also? No, no, no. So our sales team has their own Got it. daily huddle. And I try to keep that at 20 to 30 minutes max mm -hmm. uh, because one, I want them to utilize their time on the phone. Right. And salespeople in general don't have the attention span to no, sit down yeah. for longer than 30 minutes. So yep. um, so that's, yeah. So I'm a, I'm a part of the transactions meeting uh, in the morning uh, just because we go over any deals that we have in the queue. If we have new deals from the day before, we talk about those exit strategies, all mm -hmm. that stuff. I'm a big part of that on the front end of things. Um, and then we utilize our sales team for 30 minutes max uh, after about 15, 20 minutes after that meeting. So, Got it. So from about 9 to 9.15 is when we go over uh, transa new deals, transactions, priorities, project management, and um, other priorities with rentals and all that. Got it. Very cool. So um, I was looking through some of the notes uh, beforehand, and there's something that you, you, you mentioned, which you know, really uh, resonated with me. And it was that, you know, there's a lot of advice out there as I, you know, work on your business, work on your business, stop working in your business. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, I, um, I know there's a lot of gurus out there that emphasize to work, you know, get to a point where you work on your business and not in it. Not that I'm not in support of that. Right. But Look, if you don't love what you're doing every day and you don't love going to the office and making your company tick, then you shouldn't be doing it anyways. Mm -hmm. But it's just not reality. It's not reality to tell someone who's new to this that you're going to be working on your business in six months or 12 months. It's just not. Mm -hmm. And anyone who's been doing it long enough knows that there's ups and downs to hiring wrong, firing wrong. There's a whole learning process through this whole journey, right? Mm -hmm. And you need to love the journey. and and when you love the journey, you'll find success and you, someday you will be able to work on the business. But there, it's a process. You need to trust the process to get there. Right. And I think that's that's the challenge. And it, we got Clubhouse. Clubhouse is really hot right now. Right? Yeah, Everyone's talking about Clubhouse. <laughs> and you hear these guys and they're coming on They're They're sharing advice, right? Uh, advice that, you know, may or may not be any good. You don't know. You can't tell. Uh, but like, you know, you hear these guys saying, you know, make sure you do this, make sure you do this. And because of the seats that we're in, we can tell this guy's been battle tested or not. But it's really hard for someone that doesn't know who's new to the industry. It's like, do I listen to this guy? Do I listen to that guy? Right. So it's really tough. So yeah, there was an advice someone was saying, like, you got to go hire VAs to do cold calling for you. 
And let me ask you, Josh, because you're the sales guy. <laughs> Could you imagine right now, before you went through the NLP training, right? Before you closed your first deal, you went to go hire a VA to do co-calling for you. How many deals do you see? So you're bullshitting. Yeah, yeah, no, that would be horrible. <laughs> yeah. How good is that VA going to be? As good as I am, which yeah. is trash, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. So I think that's just something that you, you mentioned that really resonated, resonated with me. I think it's really important. And I don't know, do you guys have any advice for, for people that are trying to get started? Like what to do? Because you get all this noise. You know, I just brought up Clubhouse, but that's yeah. not the only place where there's noise. But what advice do you have someone that's new that's trying to get started? I think this is the biggest thing. You got to be consistent with your marketing and stop overthinking the marketing. Just get it deployed and create opportunities for yourself. Get good at the conversion, the conversation with the seller. When you are consistent with your marketing and you perfect your craft with your conversations with the sellers and you, so you control those things, those are your controllables. You have to trust the process and be patient. As long as you're doing everything you can on that end of things, it'll come. Mm -hmm. Have faith. So that's, that's the advice. Yeah, that I think I would the have. biggest thing is just get started. Like, right. so, I mean, and this goes with everything, right? I'm guilty of this. I've been wanting to lose 20 pounds recently. Mm -hmm. And Josh is like, well, what's holding you back every day? I'm like, oh, I need to lose weight. Well, it's because I'm just not starting. Like, mm -hmm. it's my fault. I'm the one making up excuses. And so I know a lot of people getting into the business is the same thing. Um, they overanalyze what list should I pull? What's the best? It's, look, there's no magical list. I mean, right. some are better than others, right? But it's all about just picking one thing, whether it's just, you know, get a dialer. Just put one list in it, press the go button and figure it out, right? Right. And you just got to get started. Yeah. Um, you, and then you, you start to learn as the process goes. And that's when you really lean on someone who's already done this, right? So don't try to recreate the wheel. There's so many people out here that have already done this and go learn off them, learn their sales process, learn how they do their marketing understand the things they did wrong so you don't make the same mistakes um, versus trying to figure it all out on your own. And I love that part. You're talking about like, you know, losing weight. Cause I still remember back in the day when I was still trying to be in really good shape was like, I'll, I'll, I, I need to start doing more pushups tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was never like, I'm going to start doing pushups like right now. I'll, I'll start doing it tomorrow. It was always something that you put off and you find an excuse yep. to not do it. Right. Um, so you mentioned going out to finding a, a mentor. So we got a mutual friend, you know, out here that you yep. had dinner with. Yep. You want to talk about him? Yeah. So uh, back to the story of, you know, we did 40-ish rehabs that first year when we took off in 2018. And then we were worn out. We actually lost $106,000 on a rehab because we paid a contractor in advance. They stole our money. We got into a lawsuit. It was horrible. But anyways. Wow. So a lot of mistakes that I can teach you what not to do on a big <laughs> rehab. Um, but I, So although we produced a lot of revenue, we didn't net that much. So mm -hmm. it was nothing to brag about. That's for sure. And I was worn out. And someone in my market had said, hey, you guys got to go to this. Um, these guys that produce all in. They have this momentum event. And we attended that. And I'll never forget, we were sitting in like third row back, right behind Diddy and them. And that was when like Diddy and Donovan were like some of the new guys with them. And I, we did everything in a notebook. We didn't even have a CRM or anything. So when really? a lead came in, I don't even know how we did 40 deals looking back. <laughs> wow. When a lead came in, it would get written on my notebook. And if we didn't land on the spot that week, then it was, just, I never called it again, which mm -hmm. is crazy. Um, so I remember Carlos asking me a question at the event and he's like, you know, what CRM do you use? I'm like this notebook right here. And then I heard someone in the back talking about selling paper, you know, assignments. I'm like, how do you do that? That's crazy. Mm -hmm. And we left that event after learning how to wholesale me. I think we locked up, um, like 250,000 within 30 or 45 days. Wow. And I'm really good at processes and systems and really systemizing out a company. And, you know, whether it's roles, marketing, whatever, I'm like, I can scale this because this is my bread and butter. I can scale the front end of this. And so that's we took off with that. I mean, we did like 160 something deals the next year and we ended up doing their one on one mentorship. And they're actually the ones that got us to um, stop stepping on each other's toes. We, we walked in. I was like, I'm the head of acquisitions. He said he was doing dispositions within five minutes of knowing us. Sal's like. No, 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 no. Tiffany's doing dispo. Josh is taking over sales. And yeah. we that's when we split ways and managed our own side of the company. That's awesome. So out here. So it's like full circle. Yep. Um, and then another thing you guys have talked about is running lean. And I think this is something also it's kind of hard and it's really challenging right now because you follow social media and you see how much money you know people are making. You see checks and this and that. 
So you're always chasing revenue. And everyone's chasing revenue. Everyone's chasing the, the flashy objects. But you guys are really focused on running lean. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, we, uh, quick story. I don't remember when it was at this point. It's all meshing together. But, you know, we started scaling. We had gotten a sales floor up to almost like, I don't know, somewhere around 10 people. And honestly, we were just building a company that we didn't like. We didn't like going to work every day. It was stressful. We didn't have clear-cut KPIs we were managing people on. We didn't have clear expectations or the best processes. Um, it was just kind of chaos on the sales floor. And it had le led to things like, oh, maybe they're not performing because I'm not providing enough leads. Next thing you know, I'm providing 40 leads a day per person. And I'll never forget DMing John Martinez being mm. like, I don't know what's going on, man. I'm spending $100,000 on marketing this month and it is not, you know, I'm barely breaking even. What am I doing wrong? And he's like, you're doing 40 leads a day per person. That is not, you know, you should <laughs> scale that down to like 10 or 15. And and I just realized we, we hired um, some folks not based on our core values. So they didn't really mesh with us. Mm -hmm. And uh, we just leaned on our some of our mentors at the time, and we decided to walk in on a Monday one day and just let go three-fourths of our people and start over. Wow. And from there, we what, were like... What? Hang on. So that's a big thing. Yep. What caused that to happen? I mean, we just... I felt like the company was running us, and we weren't running the company. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we were making a lot of revenue, right? Because everyone touts about revenue, but we weren't netting a lot. Mm -hmm. And I was miserable. Like I hated it. So I, I knew that we could do it right. But the thing that I could see very clearly coming from a corporate environment before doing real estate was, you know, you experience turnover when you don't give your salespeople the right tools and systems to be productive and efficient. So if you aren't giving them the right phone systems, the right culture, the right environment, they're going to leave anyways. So, mm -hmm. you know, turnover sucked. Um, we realized how do we, when we, when that happened, we asked ourselves, how do we, you know, triple our profit per deal with a fourth of the heads and make our lives more manageable. <laughs> and that's how we got to where we're at. Cause we wanted, we're like, we're going to master the sales side, which is Josh's responsibility. And I'm going to master the systems and foundation of our company. And we're going to build this thing the right way now. And yeah. that's when we took off with things. Hating your situation is one thing, right? But there had to have been something that compelled you to think like, you know, unless you just said, like, I just freaking had it with these people. And that, that's a possibility, too. I can tell you, I went to, uh, I remember Darren Hardy is someone that I, I, I coach with and learn a lot from. And I went to two of his different events. And within two months, right? Or yeah, in two, within two months, I went to, to two of his events. And both times I came back, I fired somebody. Sorry, fired two people. Both times, right? Because you hear something at an event. It's like, why am I putting up with this crap? And you go back and say, like, okay, you two are gone. Was there something like that or it was just... No, I mean, no. it just... We, it we was like, realized, we hated it. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, with the amount of overhead that we had... Yeah, it was about overhead. It, it was, was stressful. Just, we, we know that we can scale this down to something much more manageable mm -hmm. with a fraction of the headaches and still live a good life within net, what we're netting now. So, yeah. Well, then, I guess let me ask this question then. Normally, when people hate their staff... It wasn't just about the staff. It was more about the culture that we were creating, right? Because yeah. we didn't even have core values in place. Got it. So when we were interviewing people, we didn't even think about like, well, do they fit into what we would want to be around? Mm -hmm. yeah. So some people were in there that just we didn't share the same values. That alone right. makes it creates a clash, right? A lot. So but I, I just wanted to clarify this because usually when we're talking about overhead, we're talking about admin. We're not talking about salespeople, right? Salespeople normally pay for themselves. Well, it created me. So what happened was because we weren't we didn't have the sales side performing at a peak right mm -hmm. i'm thinking as the owner oh my god is it me is it me is it me so i just produce more leads more leads more leads and i'm just doubling tripling my marketing spend so the the expensive part came from marketing really yes yeah. and then what ends up happening is when you overflood your you know you overflow your team with leads mm -hmm. now they can't give every single opportunity the attention that can't it keep needs up. right yeah. so they're they're half focused on this, half focused on that. So there, there goes an opportunity. There goes another opportunity. And it just, it got out of control. Or they're cherry picking. Right. Yep. No, that's pretty <laughs> much what ended up happening. So, yeah. But I mean, we let go of three fourths of the people on a Monday and I, we promised ourselves to build it right the next time. And it has been nine day difference. I mean, yeah. I don't think I've experienced, I was just telling Carlos and Sal last night this at dinner, but the word happiness 
is like once you actually are feel fulfilled and like this sense of happiness come across you, you don't know it until it's really there. And now our team is like a family and we walk in there and everyone is like, we're all, we all know that we're out here to make sure everyone in this environment wins. Mm-hmm. We have fun. We're consistent. We're predictable. And when you build a team like that, you don't need a bunch of people, right? Like yeah. we're, we're high, we're all high performers. Everyone's making great money. And that's what we want. We want to be able to provide an environment. Now we're focused on how do we keep helping the people in their seats get more and more productive versus hire more and more heads. So let me ask this question because this is the, I look at a lot of businesses, we're in the sales marketing business. That's what we're all in initially. But eventually you scale and you get to people and finances. So right now we're talking about people. For someone right now that's actually doing deals and they're trying to grow, what advice do you have for them as far as hiring? Because you mentioned core values. Yep. Feels like a family, the culture. What did you guys do to build that? Yeah, one thing I want to point out, uh, we actually recently had a conversation. It seems like this happens a lot. Um, it's very similar to when do I leave my job? Mm-hmm. Um, but this case, it's more of when do I start to hire people? Because I know if I take the time and energy to interview people and onboard them, it takes me off the phone. Therefore, I'm not creating revenue. Mm-hmm. Well, at some point, you're going to have to make that decision. There's never going to be the right time, right? Yeah. The right time is now if you're ready. Um, so, you know, just take a leap, leap of faith, control what you can and trust the process and it'll all fall into place. So um, the advice that I would have is, you know, start taking action now, uh, create your core values. And the key is you got to hire someone that matches your core values and is coachable mm-hmm. and self-motivated. Those three things. If they have those three uh, attributes, then you can you can coach anyone these skills. Um, just like I said before, you know, I'm an engineer who learned sales tactics and, and is really good at sales. So um, you can definitely learn it. And these are teachable things. So so take a step back here, because I think these are all valid points. But we're presuming everyone that's listening knows their core values. How does someone find their core values? Yeah. So, so we actually um, so we hired Scott Hannes in the industry. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've heard of him. He's an HR consultant. Um, so one thing I have learned over the last three years is you can run into HR issues. So make sure you get very good at HR situations. So mm-hmm. we outsource that now. Um, so one, me- my mentor right now is teaching me how to find the who to handle something instead of always knowing how. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, you know, we hand some of the things off with him and he did exercises with us. And just because you have core values today too, maybe it's just you, or maybe it's you and a partner. And then you start growing a team. Re, keep revisiting those core values and make sure you're incorporating your team to evaluate those because you want them to feel a part of making those. Right. So everyone go around the thing and then silently put what are the top 10 things that represent you? And then everyone start comparing notes. You know, is there a common thing between us all? Is it integrity? Is it, you know, I know Mark Evans has a care 360. I love his core value with that. Mm. Um, but core values is one of the we probably spend about 30% of the time in any given interview just talking about core values. And if we don't feel like we mesh with that, it's just an absolute no. Like, I don't care what experience or talent level you are. If we don't mesh on core values and mm-hmm. I don't feel like you're coachable, you're you're out the door. Yeah, I love it. So then the next question, again, this is where a lot of people struggle when they're starting to scale. How did you find these people? So, um, you know, a lot of people say I'm loud on social media sometimes. And I'm very intent. I, I do social media with intent. And um, so here's a couple of things that I think is important to know about social media is every one of my private lenders for all of our projects came from social media. Mm-hmm. All of the people sitting in my office came from referrals from someone in social media. That's awesome. So imagine, you know, we've done, we've done the Indeed thing. You know, Nick Perry's really good at the Indeed uh, yeah. management system. He's, He's taught us a lot. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but we have just had better luck in our office by with a referral system. So mm-hmm. we have a referral system where if someone refers a friend or whoever into our office after 30 days of being with the company, we give you a thousand. If they're with the company for 90 days, after 90 days, we give you a remainder of 4,000. So you get a $5,000 referral bonus. That's huge. Because if you made it 90 days, because we have very clear cut expectations for 30, 60, and 90 days. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, if they hit that 90 days, they were well worth, you know, someone referring that person to our office. That's a really good point. I remember I had that back uh, when I used to work at Intel. We should implement that here. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, it really incentivizes your team. That's like an awesome bonus. Yeah, that's huge. So what does your business look like today? So we have um, Josh obviously oversees the sales team and construction. We have two what we call closers and we have two follow-up specialists. 
Um, and then we have Elena, who's our operations coordinator. And me, I handle all the money and marketing systems. And then we have a ton of VAs that obviously support the staff. We have a all of our non-income producing tasks. Um, we probably have, I don't even know how many VAs we have, but we have VAs that handle all of that. Yeah. Um, then on top of your cold callers, and all that kind of stuff. Got it. And then what kind of uh, volume are you guys doing right now? We did about, a, it was like maybe a little over 100 deals in 2020. Mm -hmm. And is that... In all of Ohio, only in Columbus. Like, what what is your uh, what is your market? Yeah, it's ninety percent Columbus and about well, ten to fifteen percent Kansas City. And then we used to be in another mistake we made a couple of years ago was everyone was like it was like a sexy thing in the industry to be in all these cities. Mm -hmm. It was. So, oh yeah. So <laughs> so I scaled to all these cities and it was miserable and I blew yeah. a shit ton of money. Um. So, anyways, I scaled to like five or six cities, thought that was what you were supposed to do because everyone was talking about it. And then I was like, hell with this, I'm going deep in my own market. Mm -hmm. So I scaled back, but we were having, we have a really good contact in Kansas City who dispose our deals for us. And um, we've done really well with Kansas City wholesaling, but we primarily stick into our own backyard. Got it. So we talked about earlier, you're in charge of the sales KPIs, you're in charge of the, the leads KPIs. What about Dispo? What KPIs are you tracking there? So Dispo, we only ho we wholesale about 38% of our deals. So mm -hmm. in about 62% in 2020, we rehabbed. Mm -hmm. So we currently, I either handle Dispo for a reason. I actually choose to do so on some deals because we're a big buyer in Columbus as well. So I want to stay in front of the people we're actually also selling to. Um, so for example, some of my VIP buyers, they don't rehab on, say, my side of the town. So I actually want to be in contact with them because while I'm having the conversation to sell them the deal, I want to say, hey, what else do you got going on? Because I want to be in front of them. Yeah. And then we have a girl in the market that um, dispose our deals for us. And she dispose a lot of big investors deals. And she acts as like a dispo manager for all of us. Um, so she we require at least three offers on every deal. We have, um, and Carlos and Sal taught us the whole process that we still follow to this day of, you know, you send out a deal, you say you're going to accept your highest and best offer in 48 hours, and it's a psychology thing. Mm -hmm. People want to bid it up. Um, but yeah, I mean, we don't accept a deal unless we have enough offers to really understand where the number sits. Got it. Cool. Uh, and then we're talking about running lean. I mean, what is your guys' monthly marketing budget and monthly overhead? Yep. So we spend a floating anywhere between like sixteen to twenty thousand dollars a month on marketing. Mm -hmm. um, so one stat to know, and this is really good for newer folks that um, are maybe just getting in the game or they haven't gotten their deal. So as you heard previously, I told you that a lead would come in and I'd write it on a notebook paper and never call it again, right? Yeah. So it takes today in my, in my stats for twenty twenty, it took a hundred and twenty five days on average by the time a lead came into my system before we put it in contract. Wow. Right. So if you haven't been doing this for three to six months, you aren't giving your marketing enough time to perform. And I, I do feel like there's one thing that we do really well at is follow up. So the way that our systems are configured internally, a lead never gets left behind. It's a campaign that I always say a lead never gets left behind. Mm -hmm. So we hit every lead in our system at least once a week or once a month, depending on, you know, where it floats in its follow up. Um, I don't know. What was your question again with that? Or we were just talking about the marketing Dispo KPIs spend. or marketing spend. And then, yeah, so the yep. marketing spend and then the monthly overhead. Yep. And then a lot of people ask us, how do we pay our acquisitions? So mm -hmm. our acquisitions are on $2,000 basis. They get commissioned on a tier structure, which we actually do quarterly now versus just monthly. And then we also have a team bonus that we do. And so when we hit us, uh, we have a goal and a stretch goal that we set every quarter. And if they hit the stretch goal um, and the regular goal, everyone gets paid that bonus, including Elena. It's a team environment. It's a team goal. So one of the biggest things we've tried to create in our culture is a team environment. So I'm trying not to, to create a shark eat shark environment where people are like chasing each other's leads. I want them to work together to get a deal done. Right. Because all we care about is deals getting closed. Right. So we don't make money unless they make money. Mm -hmm. Um, so we have a team incentivized bonus. And this year we just launched a year incentive bonus. And the reason why we did that was, you know, it's, it is what it is. Sales experiences turnover. It's one of the highest turnover careers probably out there, depending, regardless if it's real estate, right? Yeah. So I thought, you know, I have a really good core team right now and I would love it if we were all still together at the end of the year and we don't experience turnover. So we said, let's put a crazy bonus in place that you have to be at the company to get it. 
when you get it, we have a, a goal to hit it. And once we hit it, everyone gets paid out it. So um, we have a sales goal to hit. And once they hit it, everyone gets paid out $20,000 bonuses this year, each salesperson. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's just really like our way of saying like, you know what, we don't, let's take less net on this side to make sure that we create, a, take care of our family, right? So yeah. we want to take care of our family. We want to be working with the same people in a year from now. Like we love the people we work with. We want to make sure they win too. That's awesome. Huge. Um, there are a lot of people in Ohio. I mean, it's not, I don't, there's not as many people in there, but there are a lot of people in Ohio, right? How do you guys separate yourself from your competition? I think that's a great question. Um, first and foremost, I'm a big believer in it. And this kind of goes back into the hiring thing. You know, when people mm-hmm. start to go and, and hire salespeople in particular, I will put myself up against anyone in the industry as far as sales leadership goes. I don't care who walks through that door. If they're coachable and they are core value in alignment with our core values, I can coach them and get them to a point to consistently perform. Um, so to answer your question, what separates us is our sales process, which is it's so black and white and so teachable that that's what separated us. Mm-hmm. Our sales process and sales uh, leadership in particular. Just so, about closing every closable opportunity. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, to, to contribute to that, it's what we do on a daily basis. We have four fundamentals that we train on. We focus on one fundamental every single week. And I'm a big believer. I think it was Bruce Lee had a, had a saying. He said, I don't fear the man who had who knows 10,000 kicks. I fear the man who knows one kick 10,000 times. Mm-hmm. So we want to get really good at just these four fundamentals. That way we are able to close every single opportunity that crosses our desk. And those four fundamentals are? Yeah. So the four fundamentals are making sure that we're setting expectations. We want to make sure that we're handling resistance the right way. Um, How are we uncovering motivation? And then uh, the last piece is uh, making sure that we're uncovering any type of roadblocks that could get in the way of our seller taking action. That second thing, the resistance. Tell me more about that. Yep. That's a great, great question. So um, one thing that we all subconsciously react to salespeople, mm-hmm. um, whether we realize it or not. And my best or my favorite example of this is, I don't know, Steve, have you been to a Best Buy recently? Of course. Okay. So when you walked in, what's the first thing someone said to you? Hey, can I help you with something? Mm-hmm. And what'd you say? No, thanks. I'm just looking. Exactly. Yeah. So I, we all react to salespeople in this way. Why? It's because we have some sort of fear or anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. We're afraid that this salesperson is going to try to rip this He's going to close us. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. And uh, so- we just take that into consideration. And one thing that we do to help with that is we want to go for the no. We want to be one step closer to, hey, it sounds like you're just not ready to do this right now. Mm-hmm. And subconsciously, that's going to push them closer to a yes. Or if it is a no, they're going to let us know that immediately. Right. right. And um, so that's that's one of the fundamentals that we practice every single every single week. So Every week. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. Um, <clears throat> let's see. So what else was there? Uh, guys, please ask your questions. Uh, so. What is, what is your guys' motivation? I, I, is it, is it what you talked about at the very beginning or is there anything else now that you've been doing this for three years? What is your why? And I have a little four and a half month old baby at home. And, you know, everyone always said when you had kids, like your perspective on things on life will change. So I think things have changed a lot for me in the last six months. And, uh, we just recently moved, thank God, um, into our dream house. Like we've always said, we're going to live on the water. You know, we're gonna live on the water we're gonna live on the water. Well, we live in Columbus, Ohio. There's not very many lakes around. Well, there's a little hidden gem outside of Columbus and we just moved on it. And my, my perspective on life really changed. Um, so ever since I've had my little girl, just being able to walk out and like see the sunrise over the water every day and be there with my child is my top priority. And you know, if you would have asked me this two years ago, I'd have been like, oh, we're going to do a million dollars a month. And not that I don't want to do a million dollars a month still, but there's a process to get there. And I respect that process more now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't try to urgently do something so fast that I make a bunch of mistakes. And now just to getting to see her is my, my motivation. And I have a big goal of f- five years from now that I want to hit because she'll be five. She'll be more active. She'll, who knows what she'll be playing or dancing or whatever. And um, we do, we work long hours. I mean, we work, this isn't, it's not like we're always working on our business, right? I mean, we're still grinding out there. We're working 12 hour days sometimes. Yeah. 
And, you know, I want to have the option to spend more time with her, you know, in five years from now. So we did, we made a, a commitment to each other that we'd actually rather work a lot harder now while she can't, she's not active in these things. And then when she gets there, like in hopes that we can be a little bit more there and present with her. That's huge. Yeah. I think uh, another part of that too, absolutely our family, making sure that we're set up, our daughter set up for success in her future, right? That we're able to pass these types of values that we're learning being uh, that we're learning through being an entrepreneur down to her. Um, but also we have a real opportunity to impact lives as well, you know, and, and, uh, whether that's on the active side of things in our real estate business with the, you know, every single person within our business, we have an opportunity to change their lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, the people on our team, the lenders that are lending our properties, the sellers that we're working with, the vendors that we're working with, every single person that we touch, you know, our goal is that we are having a positive impact on their life. And then when you take that also to the education side of things, it's it's just it's the most fulfilling thing that, that we've experienced. Did you say he was twenty seven? <laughs> All right, doesn't sound like a twenty seven year old. Man, <laughs> she's saying that. <laughs> For the record, everyone that's watching, yes, I'm seven years older than Josh. <laughs> yeah, I could tell you. I mean, when I was twenty seven, I was cocky as hell. Yeah, I was partying like a rock star. <laughs> so that's awesome. Lots of wisdom for a young guy. What is your biggest struggle right now? What is our biggest struggle? I was just talking about this. Oh, I I think from like a business perspective, one of the biggest things we're trying to focus on is how do we make money off of every lead that comes in, whether it's buying the deal or not, right? So we were talking about this before the show. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot more ways to make money off the marketing you're bringing in than just buying it as is, right? So whether it's referring it to an agent, we have relationships with mortgage bro a mortgage broker now, um, buyers, agents. I think that we all get caught up in just like buying the property as is and letting it go if it doesn't work. There's so many more ways to make money off of a lead than what we think. So I think one thing this year that we're really trying to hone in on our processes and figuring out how can we add value to our company, whether it's, you know, 500 bucks a month is $500 a month, right? Mm -hmm. So we recently started making a lot more in realtor referrals. So it, I don't know if you want to call that a struggle, but it's definitely something that we can improve on. You want to improve the monet yeah. monetizing. Yes, we really want to be able to monetize our leads better. Gotcha. Um, are either of you licensed? I am a licensed. Yeah, I'm licensed. All right. And then um, I imagine that your broker is in some way or another trying to influence how you monetize these leads. Uh, no, he doesn't have the commission structure like most. Right. But I mean, like, you got to blow up your team, like, take your, like, stop focusing on wholesale or, because there, there are people that I talk to, right? Um, you know, they're like, Steve, you're licensed and you're, you're wholesale. They're like, um, their question is always, you know, their broker is trying to get them to stop wholesaling and, and, and build this team or this, whatever. Like, there's none of that going on. No, I would say, if anything, it's more of, like have one or two people that can that can field those leads, right? Mm -hmm. And that's that's really the biggest thing. He understands, and this is what I appreciate about him. Yeah, uh, he understands that like our true business is the active real real estate investing business. Mm -hmm. It's not me being an agent. So I think he respects that. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, every now and then he'll say, "Hey, you know, let's get a listing agent, let's get a buying agent, right?" So yeah. that way you know, I never thought it would be that. so hard to get an agent to want to sit in my office for eight hours a day and, and take, take all of our leads. leads. Like every time we bring an agent on board, it's like they want to go just create their own company right away and they want to do their thing. And it's like, wait a second, I'm like willing to hand you hundreds of leads. Like, why aren't you willing to sit in our office? Yeah. And that honestly, I don't know if it's just us. We're interviewing the wrong people, finding the wrong, maybe we're not looking in the right places to find the right agents. Um, but that has been something that we've struggled with the last couple of years. We have a really good one right now. But one thing we've noticed is, you know, we need at least an, a buyer's agent and a listing agent because we've started making money now off of, well, if we can't buy your house as is and you already have a friend that's a realtor listing it. Oh, by the way, what are you looking for? So hopefully we can find you the house. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're trying to get better at that process and systemize it since, you know, coming from a brokerage is not where we originally started. Um. Your salespeople, they're totally happy sitting in an office eight hours a day? The people that we have right now, yeah. For your sales team? Yeah. We've ran into that before. We've definitely had some talent in our office that were really good. And then they just got burnt out because they didn't like sitting at a desk all day. And well, I think I think this is big actually in the interview process. When yeah. you're talking to salespeople, don't sell them on some false hopes. You got to be as transparent as possible. And one thing I tell anyone that comes through our office to interview, I say the same thing I do to a seller. Hey, I want to be as open and honest with you about everything. I want you to be able to make a confident decision on whether you think that you can 
this is a role you can see yourself doing or not. Yeah. And if not, let's just let's part ways. Let's not even waste any time or energy on it. Are you having this conversation with the realtors? Mm. Yes. So we do talk about it up front saying how we want you to sit in our office and then they'll tell you what you want to hear a little bit. But yeah. I will say we haven't gone through the same interview process, which we probably should. That's what I was going right? to say. So we that's thanks for the advice while we're sitting here. But um, <laughs> we haven't gone through the same interview process of them being on our team. And a little bit has to do with um, I we don't want to lead the agents in terms of like teaching them how to be an agent, all that. That's not our expertise. So we have the guy that lists all of our rehabs. He has a team. So we allow or we don't allow we he, he's the one that coaches his own team. And then we partner with his team because I'm not going to be the best leader with him. He will. I mean, he's mastered being an agent. He's one of the best agents in town. So let him train them. Let him take a percentage of his team and us take a percentage for referring them out. And that's worked pretty well, but it has been a struggle. It's been a struggle getting someone to sit in our office. What are you guys getting as far as a referral fee? So he, I think, takes 25 and then we take 25 or 30 or something. We right? take 30% yeah. off the top and then they have their own split yeah. with their team. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I think there might be some other ways that you guys can handle that if you guys are open to. Yeah, Absolutely. I definitely am because so, I know there's money to be made. So <laughs> I would say the biggest challenge, right? If you're working with a realtor, you got someone who's entrepreneurial, right? Like a lot of your salespeople, the reason why they leave is because they're entrepreneurial, right? If you get a really good salesperson, they generally want to be a competition. Very few salespeople want to work for you. They will, right? If they can be part of your vision, but eventually they want to compete against you. So realtors are the same exact thing, right? They just, you just got to treat them the exact same way as a salesperson. So you might be better off hiring a salesperson that fits your culture, getting them licensed and then paying them like 40, 50% of the deal hmm. and you keeping half versus you referring it out. For a list, like a any type of listing. Mm -hmm. But then they would be spending their time on listings and, or finding houses and that's not like their primary. So then they wouldn't be able to keep up with the KPIs that we host for. I think access. it would just be a different segment within your business. You wouldn't treat them like a salesperson. Right. You okay. would hire them like a higher salespeople. I see. But then you would hold them to different metrics, but you're going to, then they will work for I you. I see. Okay. Versus an independent third party. Because when you bring in an agent to sit in your office, they're still an independent contractor. They don't work for you. Right. Yeah. You need to bring someone that's bought into the cultures, drinking your Kool-Aid reporting to you that's a great idea that's why the hedge fund handles it so like chase he got hired on and then he becomes the right you know and then he got their license yeah that him. makes sense yeah yeah thanks so, for the feedback yeah it's uh had some fun <laughs> building falling apart and i think that's the other thing too because we talked about this offline before the show started we we're talking about you know people that are coaching and giving advice out there that aren't battle tested like the value that you guys bring in your guys's mentorship program and the value that we bring in our mentorship program is that we failed. Mm -hmm. So not only can we help you make more money, we can show you where not to lose money. Yeah. <laughs> Which, <laughs> Which is, is very valuable. <laughs> very underrated. Yeah. Something that people don't appreciate. <laughs> yeah, people don't quite appreciate. So uh, Chris Vasquez, he has a question. Uh, what kind of return are you guys seeing on that 20K marketing spend? So just so you guys all know our goals this year, um, on the wholesaling side, we have a goal on the front end KPIs, marketing spend, all that to never hit under 150,000. And we have a stretch goal. It's at 200. Yeah. Um, so I don't have all my numbers in front of me, but so we're spending the money as if we're hitting that. So one thing that's a little bit different for us is we've been doing it long enough that we have say 13 or 14,000 leads in our system. Wow. So sometimes in spending uh, money on new marketing, it's about how do we reach more old leads to bring them to life. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I'm actually thinking about including is we, so we have a role called the follow-up specialist. And so when someone gets hired into our company, they have to start in this role first. And the beauty about it is you can find, you know, a someone that works at Best Buy or a bar. A lot of people ask us, do you hire people who already have real estate experience? Mm -hmm. My answer is absolutely not. We actually prefer they don't have real estate because we can grow them into what we feel like they should become in the sales role. If they come in with preconceived knowledge of real estate, it's harder to coach them, right? So um, let's say someone comes in as a bartender, we can put them in the follow specialist role and we can over time turn them into a closer, but they have a path to get there. So they pass a, a lead live. We have a whole process for it to a closer They cl and they close the deal. Then after they close the first 10 deals at the company, their commission goes up. After that, they we slowly train them into being a closer. So there's a career path in it with us, right? So you can move up over time and there's very clear cut times and when you get to have uh, commission increases. 
Yeah. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. So, so the, as far as the return goes. Right, the marketing piece. So like I said, we just we spend anywhere from fifteen to twenty thousand, so call it twenty thousand a month. Mm-hmm. And you're expecting And we're expecting plus. 150 minimum. Got it. And do you guys have a preferred direct seller marketing method? Is the No, um this last year I would say it was pretty evenly uh distributed in terms of like what percentage of came. Mm-hmm. So you know, we had 40% come from SMS, 20% come from RVM. The rest of it was split up between cold calling and Facebook ads is what we do. And this was revenue, right? And it's of our revenue, of our yeah. Revenue I don't know about the deal count. I just know the revenue, right. percent of the revenue. Got it. And then are you guys looking at multi-unit properties? So that's one thing that we get asked a lot too. And look, commercial is sexy as hell right now, right? Mm-hmm. So we're really good at what we do. And we love doing what we do. And so a lot of people chase shiny objects. And so for us, you know, obviously sometimes multi-unit comes into our marketing stream and we can we can work it no different than a single family in terms of wholesaling. Um, but in terms of multifamily, it's not that we're not going to get into it, but I would rather stack cash at something I'm really good at mm-hmm. and lend it into someone else's deal and let them manage it and all that. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And it's really hard as an entrepreneur to stay focused. I'm, that's one thing in the last two years okay. I, I stay in my lane we focus on what we're good at we make a bunch of money and then we just fund other things yeah really smart advice for those that are you know like always thinking about well what about this what about that and just stay in your lane make a lot of money right uh so what is your guys' superpower I'll start with you you know i asked josh this you know before we got here I'm like, what's my superpower he's like your superpower is you just get shit done you know like <laughs> just when figures it out right? i just figured it out yeah, right so when like you said for someone that's just getting started i my superpower is like i don't really think twice about it if i want something i just go mm-hmm. and i know that i'm gonna have i'm gonna fall down quite a few times but i have faith that i'm gonna figure out as long as it's my focus right if there's a famous saying i think it goes ready fire aim right that's right. To, to, <laughs> to the t right so yeah no it's absolutely huge and it's unfortunately i think one of those things that it's uh, is a superpower not necessarily trainable you can coach someone in that direction or you can coach it but some of that i think has to do with how you're wired right right i mean you're probably that way your whole life oh yeah so it's you know we're always preaching it. Just start, just start, just start. And I wish we can convey that message harder and more clearly, but it's really hard to convey that message. For some people, they're just always going to be analysis paralysis. Right. Uh, what is your superpower? So my superpower would be uh, patience. And I guess a better way to How say How does that, that work with the two? Yeah. No, it's actually a great balance. balance. Yeah, say, she's is. a driver. Yeah, she's I'm a moving. driver. Yeah. Um, but like, I guess said a better way is just trusting the process, really. Yeah. Right. So. Got it. Um, in today's day and age, you know, like we talked about the microwave industry, mm-hmm. our micro microwave age, more than anything, yep. people want things done now. And that's just not reality. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, you know, when we go back to our first six months, we didn't have any deals. Like I trusted that we were going to get a deal. I had patience that, Hey, if we continue to do this, it will happen. Right. Um, and then now set a different way. When we hit these certain metrics, we will get the deals. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of time. And it's just a matter of being patient. And a lot of salespeople or even entrepreneurs that get so caught up in, oh, I got to chase this or I got to chase that. Or why am I not doing this? They see every, all the flashy objects on social media. It's like, hey, hold on. Take a step back. Control what you can. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, you know, drown out the noise. Don't listen to the noise. Control what you can and trust the process. Be patient and it'll come. So how do you get someone newer? Because you guys are, are mentoring people. How do you get someone to keep the faith in the process? If the proof is in the pudding, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's what, that's what I'll say. So that's, um, I actually, I can't take credit for that. Uh, Julian on our team, he's, he's one who says that a lot. Mm-hmm. And when he first started, you know, he will even explain today. He's like, when you were telling me this, you know, trust the process, trust the pro I preach that a lot to our team. And, um, you know, it's one thing to hear it consistently, but after being there for just three, four weeks, you start to see it and mm-hmm. seeing is believing. Yeah. Um, so that's really where that comes from. You know, as far as like our team goes, they've seen it. The proof is in the pudding. Yeah. So, well, I love it. I, I love the, the trust in the process is something that, you know, you watch these uh, championship caliber teams. It's all about trusting the process. Not right. like, don't be a hero. Right. Right. Do your job, do what you're paid to do and everything else will work itself out. Right. So I love it. Um, Sonia says you are the most patient person. So. Yeah. Thanks, Sonia. Um, is there a book 
that you've gifted more than any other? Um, that I've gifted more than any other? You know, one book uh, we recently read that we've been recommending to a lot of people, especially in our program, is CEO Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, because it's really talking about one of the biggest things that we try to emphasize in our community is, you know, it's one thing to get the foundation set up, right? That's where it all starts. You want your systems and your phone systems and all that. And then it's another thing to become a leader. And you won't be here in 15 years or 10 years, whatever you guys are trying to accomplish if you can't figure out how to be a leader. Yeah. And you got to get people to perform at 80% of what you're capable of doing. And I think that's one thing that holds the people that say they were one man show or two man show that can do 25, 30 deals in a year to mm -hmm. go do that to do 60 or 80 is that they just have struggles hiring training, onboarding, and leading them on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And so that's so a book, completely different skill set. It's a totally different skill set. Um, just because you're the best, you know, you're the best closer doesn't mean you're going to be the best sales manager, right? Right. So, um, so I just, I really, like, we really resonate with that book because it gives you a different leadership, you know, back to our faith and faith's a big part of us. So I definitely recommend that book to anyone that's um, looking at for some leadership skills and ha and, you know, you believe in, the big man up above, I definitely recommend it. I got another question going back to your patience thing. Uh, you're the sales manager. Sales managers and patients don't normally go together. Sales managers are usually like screaming at somebody, throwing something. <laughs> yeah. Like if you don't hit your numbers, don't bother coming in tomorrow. All right. See, that's how I would be. That's why they keep me away from the sales floor. <laughs> so I'll be honest with you. I think that's a big reason why we're able to build such a positive culture mm -hmm. uh, because it's not like that. Yeah. It's, when when sales when sales leaders are like that, it creates pressure, mm -hmm. and pressure could be a great, good thing. It could also be a bad thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a big reason why we're our team's been so successful is you don't have that pressure. Mm -hmm. Now we hold them accountable. Yes. That was my next question. Yes, there is accountability, accountable. but there's a right way to hold people accountable. Right. What is it? There's an effective way. I think it's patience. It's coming down to people's level. Mm -hmm. It's when you have those tough conversations. It's hey, listen, you know, you have two offers right now and it's the end of Wednesday, what can we do to get you to your goal, right? And your mm -hmm. goal, maybe it's 10 and we have two total offers. We have two days or three days left into the week, depending on if we are working that Saturday or not. Let's game plan. What do we need to do, right? It's mm -hmm. working together and not you effed up, you did this wrong, you, you, you. It's not mm -hmm. It's not like that at all. Yeah, I love it. How many salespeople do you have with you? So we have, we have four total people on our sales team. Got it. Awesome, very cool. So- uh, I want you guys to think about last thoughts you guys want to leave listeners with while I make a couple of quick announcements. Uh, guys, if this was valuable, please like, comment, share. Let everyone else know about this. Uh, there will not be an episode next week because I got to do some broker nonsense, um, unfortunately. And then uh, the week after that, we got Alex Moses and Brian Higgins coming in from Oklahoma. They're going to be talking about how they're doing a crazy amount of deals and doing and, and burying their way out of it where... They're just making a bunch of tax-free money. Um, and if you guys didn't know, we got our book out, Active Listening 2.0. If you guys are interested, go to Amazon. Uh, you can do a search for Steve Trang or you can do a search for Active Listening 2.0. You guys can find it. For you guys, it's 99 cents right now. We're on, it's only going to be 99 cents for uh, um, two weeks. And after that, we're going to be going back to 10 bucks on the Kindle. So someone wanted to get, oh, before we go to how someone greets you, last thoughts, I'll start with you. Yeah, so um, I can't take credit for this saying. Uh, I played football at the University of Toledo, and Matt Campbell was my head coach when I was there. And something that he would say a lot is winning is a habit. And what he would say is you don't show up on Saturday and just win football games. Mm -hmm. You got to win in every aspect of your life. It's no different being an entrepreneur. You got to win with your personal development. You got to win with the relationships that you're creating. You got to win making sure you're controlling all of those controllables, you know? Yeah. Um, that's actually the saying for our, for our quarter right now for our team is winning is a habit. We break every huddle, every meeting with winning is a habit before we do a two clap to break. So um, that would be the last thing that I have for you guys. Just make sure you're, you're creating those winning habits consistently and that you're disciplined with it. Awesome. Very powerful. Um, I would say, you know, a long time ago, a mentor told me to just focus on results. And ignore the crowd. So there was a time getting into this business, right? That there's just so many people flaunting HUDs and checks and all these things. And you're lying if at some point it didn't like get in your way of mm. just, oh, comparing yourself to one another. Look, ignore that. 
And a lot of people ask me, how do how has your coaching community grown? My whole coaching community, we take pride on this, has been built by results. Like it's mm-hmm. word of it's all been word of mouth. So if anyone reaches out to me from our, in to get into our coaching, it's just because some they know someone that got results in our community. And so everything in our active business is how do we drive the result we're trying to hit? Here's our revenue goal. Here's the goals we want to hit for our people. And every day our focus is how do we get there? And what you focus on expands. Yeah. And we ignore the crowd. So whatever's going on around us, I, you know, we don't really pay attention to. Um, it's funny. We were in a conversation earlier at Bash. And like, how do you not know all these people we're talking about? I'm like, dude, I, I got too much going on during the day. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to know all these hundred people. Um, we just, and it's not just about our results, right? Because we're also co- mentors. And as long as we approach everything in our lives, is whether it's for ourselves or for other people and the results and connecting, you know, making sure that they um, take the right actions to get those results, everything else is, you know, game over from there. Awesome. That's powerful. So if someone wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Uh, our Instagram is Tiffany High Official and Tiffany High on Facebook. I still have not gotten on TikTok when I did watch your thing about the whole TikTok. <laughs> Everyone's blowing up on TikTok when I did get on Clubhouse, guys. I am on Clubhouse. Uh, so my, my Instagram is Josh High Official and Josh High on um, Facebook. Awesome. Very cool. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you. I appreciate yes. you guys yes. coming Thank you. out. Thanks Very grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you.